Let's, uh, let's go to Psalm 46. Psalm 46. Just do me the favor now. You've gotten that passage. Let's just sit still for a moment. And for you, let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and I'm going to pray. But I'll let you pray silently. Just God be the teacher now. May your Holy Spirit be the teacher in my life to your truth. Help me to rest in that truth and really revel in it. Help me to take it to heart because I need this in the moment that I think that I don't, Lord, please prompt me that I do. The area that I harden my heart to or I'm a little bit shelled over, calloused to, Lord, make me aware of that. I pray this in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. If you've ever walked through a house that has had a fire in it, particularly recently, uh, you'll walk through that house and you'll see the fire damage, but you'll also smell smoke. You can leave that fire, even long after the fire's out, you can leave that and someone, and you'll go somewhere else and someone will say to you, where have you been? And the smell of smoke is on you. Have you ever had that? The soot is on you. So it, it tends to contaminate you just because you've been in the presence of it. And it isn't just the fire that does the damage, it's the permeating smoke, and then beyond the smoke, then it's the water damage because we had to do the water thing to put the fire out. That created kind of a stench um, uh, in a house. You've been in a house like that, where the basement's flooded because they had to put the fire out. They had to do that in order to save the house. But getting that restored is a real chore. Sometimes I think, I I wonder if it can be because it's so badly damaged. You've been in places like that. I opened a piano up once that had been in a house where there had been a fire, but the piano was in a separate room. We lifted the lid on the piano. Guess what we smelled years later? Smoke, because all the felt down inside, all the padding permeated with smoke. Taking that apart, you know how many pieces are in a piano? There's 88 keys. Every key has a hammer. Every hammer has a kicker. Every kicker has a slide. It's there's a lift, there's, every piece had to be taken apart and cleaned. It wasn't worth the price of the piano. It was bad. We live in a society that is damaged, like the house that burned, and Jesus promises a whole, purposeful, abundant life, but somehow the smoke has permeated, just like the house on fire, even though the fire's out. It's permeated and touched everything. Yet the word of God offers us a path of better living, but we still smell the stench at times, don't we? And the Holy Spirit gives us moments of purity, but we just never, we always feel contaminated. The, the reality is that permeating fire is for real. Our lives have been damaged throughout, but that, that smoke, if it didn't affect us by the fire, the smoke affected us, and that's kind of a toxin in and of itself. And no matter where we go, we smell. We have that stench on us. We can't get away from it. When I was in college, I, uh, you know, college kids will do anything, right? Anybody been to college? You know, you, you, college kids just do anything. My college, uh, we wanted to raise some money to go on a retreat. My college class, I think we were juniors, there was a chicken farm like 30 miles away, and it was chicken picking night. And they said they'd give us like $500 if we'd pick up 30,000 chickens. We said, well, sure, we could do that. 
that was a mistake. And then they showed us, get one leg, one leg, one leg, one leg, one leg, one leg, and then pick them up, load them to the truck, okay? All right, I went home, and, and I, I didn't know what had happened, but we kind of got used to the smell of the chickens. It was disgusting when we walked in. Four hours later, we didn't even smell it. And then when we arrived back in the dormitory, they told us, strip naked at the door. You guys are awful. And so we took our clothes off, ran down the hall, took showers. It didn't matter. We needed like vinegar and peanut butter to cover whatever that was. And they burned our clothes. I mean, any money we made, we lost in the clothing. Uh, and it's called chicken picking. It's a wonderful thing to do. <laughs> Spiritual experience. We had to be, we had to be, we had almost had to go to the delousing station. You know, it almost felt like that. We had to just be detoxed because we needed such deep clean, it was in our pores. And you couldn't wash it out of your eyes and your nose and your ears enough for days. I became, that week, a vegetarian, as I recall. It's almost like you have to detox from that. And that's why my opening premise, here's the opening premise to the message. We are not a body with a soul. You ready? We are not a body with a soul. What we are is we are a soul with a body. Now, hang on before you, you know, lance me or do something disgusting. Just hang on a moment. You're all concerned about the body, and we should be. We want to take care of it. We do lots of things. We shower, and we wash, and we set hair and color it, and we permit, and we put on makeup and we do all kinds of things to take care of the body but I'm telling you that's not what lasts the body is simply the box it's the, it's the container okay we are a soul that happens to be in a body right now the body will go away okay and the soul goes on to heaven you're a soul that happens to have a body for a season you're not a body that has a soul you're a soul that has a body and those souls never really find rest or real satisfaction, if you will, until that rest is found in God. Genesis chapter 2, the Lord, formed, the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And he became a living being right there. And that living being is actually possessed by God, created by God, sustained by God, and designed for God. You were made for God and for his glory, for his pleasure, and the body is simply the soul that's holding, is, is the holding place really for the soul for a season. The body will go away, and the soul will then go to eternity. And so that's why we say life is sacred, and it has matter, it has meaning, because the one who made you gave you purpose and meaning. And unless we grasp this, um, we'll be doing exactly what the great king and philosopher said about life. It was Solomon who wrote these words. What do people get for all the toil, the anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days, their work, their grief and pain, even at night, their minds do not rest. Even at night, their minds do not rest. He wrote this like... Uh, 800 years before Jesus came. So we're going on over 2,000 years, 2,800, 2,900 years ago, he wrote this. Life is too meaningless. But we've had days like this, haven't we? 
where there's toil and angst and anxiousness and it's, life is laborious and it's full of grief and pain. And even at night, we can't get our minds to slow down, right? Time Magazine in February of this year just um, published another story confirming what's happening, particularly in the U.S. And this was the story that deals with painkillers. Pain meds are on the rise again. And the U.S. use of pain meds is turning the heads of even the Center for Disease Control. And there's people who are in the business. And if it, but if it's turning their heads, it must be serious. And what was uh, concerning to me was even the steeper rise of medicines stronger than morphine. Stronger than morphine, the quote. The report shows that when comparing data from 1999 to 2002 and then 2011 to 2012, the number of prescription painkiller uh, pain users took on a medication stronger than morphine increased from 17% to 37%. That's a huge, huge jump. Given the growth of painkiller addiction and related deaths, high usage makes many public health experts uneasy. <laughs> yeah, uneasy was kind of the kind word that they could publish. And when you, when you realize this too, we are 5%, U.S. is 5% of world population, yet we use 75% of the prescription drugs. What's going on? What I think is happening is this. Our prosperity comes with a price called pain. And that's a pain you cannot handle, nor can I. And I tell you this, if you're on painkillers, you've just had surgery, and I'm not telling you to get off your pain meds, it probably would not be a good idea. But what I am suggesting is this, the U.S. is fast in an addiction mode to finding some kind of nirvana because we can't deal with reality. And if it isn't jealousy over one thing and speed of production in another and aggressiveness on the road to corporate advancement and having the perfect family, whatever that might look like, we can't handle it. And again, I say, if you need the meds, please take them. And if you're in for oral surgery or they're taking your gallbladder out, those meds are your friend. <laughs> I expected more amens than that, but that's okay. <laughs> Yes, but the addiction is a huge issue and the reason is this because it isn't just our bodies that hurt what's hurting it's really our souls it's really our souls St. Augustine wrote it uh, about 400 AD so a long time ago you have made us for yourself O Lord and our souls are restless until we find our rest in you even he knew this at 400 AD. Our souls find rest in God alone. There's no person, no place, no vacation, no job that can provide the rest that God can. In fact, recently what's happened is this. Guys who are overdriven, overdriven because of the corporate model of America, the wife is saying, if you don't retire now, I'm going to kill you. So he goes, okay, I'll retire. So then they retire, and then he still keeps doing business in the city. So then she says, we have to get out of state. So they moved to Arizona or mostly to Florida. Okay? And when they moved to Florida, guess what the guy does? He buys a boat. She says, finally, he's going to relax. And then he turns the boat into a fishing company taking excursions from his friends on. You understand where the enemy is? It's in the soul. See? So what are we going to do? 
I want to give to you really three texts right from Psalms. And by the way, I love Psalms. You, you should. If you don't love Psalms, you need to. Okay, just write that down. This week, got to love Psalms. Um, Psalms are the hymn book of, the, of God's people prior to Christ. These Psalms oftentimes had musical note, notation to them. And <clears throat> so Psalm 46. Just a verse, verse 10. Be still, he says. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. Just number one thing, if I do nothing else this week, take moments, <clears throat> take moments and just be still. I remember I told you the stories, my dad's in heaven now, but I'd be all rushed <clears throat> and I'd be, you know, working on a project, we'd be talking to my dad and, and my dad would give me this advice <clears throat> when making a big decision, he'd say, you need to, and this is his phrase, and it's good for all of us, you need to step out of the traffic. And I, I go, yeah, but Dad, I need to make this decision now. I got this happening, this happening. He goes, you need to get out of the traffic. In other words, you'll get better perspective if you just back up for a moment and stop. Okay? That's exactly what Psalm 4610 is saying. Just be still. Just stop. It, it's the idea of, you ever been around a kid who will not be still? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you have, to, you have to do that with your own soul, where you, you, just, you can't be still. You just have to work at telling yourself, I've got to stop. I have to emotionally do this. I have to take my hands, put them on my knees, sit down in a chair, and do nothing. In fact, I dare you to do that this week. Take five minutes and do nothing. I, I'm not a betting man, but I, my bet would be, if I were a betting man, it's, most of us could not do it for five straight minutes. I tried it, I, I lasted like two and a half before I checked my time and then checked to see if it was still working. You know, this has to be busted because five minutes is forever when you're in silence, alone. And particularly after a devotional time when you've read the word of the Lord, just let it just kind of bounce around in your head and in your heart. Take five minutes and simply be still. Don't do anything, just listen to the word of the Lord and then not make an assignment, not do anything. It, it is forever long. Just be still. Uh, the, the Hebrew of that is, is the concept, cease striving. You, know, you have to let off. Number two, wait before the Lord. Wait before him. Psalm 37. If, if you, would you go with me to Psalm 37? I really do want you to go there because I want to read some more of this. But verse seven says, be still before the Lord. Again, that's Psalm 46. And wait patiently for him. Why? Because the Lord is never early, nor is he ever late. So we have to wait for him. Psalm 37, 7. Do not fret when, when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Don't, don't get all uptight about that. Now, here's the story, and the reason I wanted you to see 37 is this. Um, this is a great psalm, but this is a great, you're going to love this psalm when you hear the story. This psalm was written by David when people were trying to kill him, okay? They're trying to kill him. He's being chased. He's running like a mad dog through the desert. He doesn't know who his friends are anymore. He's starting to get jumpy. He's not slept because he's been on the run. Now he's becoming what we call psychopathic. He's, he's not sleeping, so now you, you become mildly paranoid. You can do this if you scare people long enough, far enough, and keep them on the run, keep them moving. You can make them so jumpy that they develop within them their own kind of 
uh, crazy world. Now, having said all that, he stayed alive and he ran away, but here's the, what he learned from the Lord. Psalm 37, um, you don't have it on the screens. Look at in your Bible. Verse one, do not fret because those who are evil or envious of those who do wrong. Don't, don't be scared of them. Don't be fretful of them. For like the grass, they'll soon wither. Like the green plants, they'll soon die. Oh, wait, he's saying, I'm giving you perspective here, David. They'll fade away like the grass. Trust in the Lord and do good. Oh yeah, but they're not doing good. Yeah, trust in the Lord and do good. Yeah, but they're not doing good. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. D- take delight in the Lord. See, that's where your focus needs to be, David. Take delight in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. That's what we're scared of. Because my desires aren't very good right now when I'm scared. And I'm seeing stuff that isn't for real. Commit your way to the Lord, verse 5. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn. Like a, wow. Your vindication like the noonday sun. It's like the dawn, like the freshness of a day. And then you'll be vindicated and it'll be obvious because it's like the noonday sun. And now we get to 7. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret because people succeed in their ways when they carry out their wicked schemes. Don't, don't let that control your agenda, David. Refrain from anger, verse eight, and turn from wrath. Do not fret. Are you getting a theme here? Do not fret. And you're saying, but I'm being chased. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. I'll stop there, but the passage just keeps on going and keeps repeating the same theme. We have to wait upon the Lord, and we have to, to intentionally determine, I'm not going to, to fret, I'm not going to worry this into an emotion that now becomes a belief, that becomes something I get jumpy about. And when do you get jumpy? It's when you begin to contrive the motives of others you project evil on others it's when you're tired it's when you're overdone it's when you're off your game and again the words of my dad you need to get out of the traffic you need to step back get perspective on this is this really a battle you want to fight it's not worth winning then let it go so number one be still number two wait number three just reflect on the goodness of god Psalm 116, verse 7. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For the Lord, for you, Lord, have delivered me from death. See, now I'm seeing, he really does come through. He really does. My eyes from tears, my feet from from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Okay, I've been still. Now I just need to reflect on what God is doing. He will take care of me. I don't need to worry about that. So still your soul intentionally, wait upon the Lord, and then just see how God has brought you through. So you think about his love. You have moments where you just think about his goodness. Some people will, in devotional moments, just recite the names of the Lord. If you don't know them, start looking them up and jotting them down off to the side. Some look at the word pictures. He's the Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah. Sometimes we, we, we think of the stories of the Lord. Just think about it and reflect upon it, dwell there, because God wants, doesn't want you to be riled up about life. What he wants you to be is to be riled up about him and his goodness. 
So we have to think about him. Satan wants to stir your soul the wrong way. God wants to rest your soul, restore your soul, so you wake up refreshed for the new day. Uh, for many of us, that's called what the Bible calls, it's called a Selah moment, S-E-L-A-H. Now, the version of the Bible I'm using doesn't use the word Selah. They kind of go past it. And the reason is it's just a musical notation in the Hebrew text. And so other versions of the Bible actually use the word Selah, although the NIV doesn't. But what it means is this. It just means, well, stop. It's like a musical moment. You ever been in a song where there's a lot of words? Then they take a thing that's called a bridge, and it's just a musical moment where the, the instruments just play. And maybe a piano will take for a while, or a violin or a guitar. Um, they'll take the melody for a while, and then another instrument will come in with counterpoint, counter melody, which adds some interest. Another one will layer in some harmony. And then we'll come back and sing again. But just during that musical interlude, that's the Sila moment. He's saying, you need an interlude. You need a musical moment. And the Hebrews talked about, the Jews talked about it as a sila, as the phrase, think of that. It's your moment to just let it resound, just to kind of bounce around in your head. That's that moment of being still. Be still before the Lord. Because we're, we tend to be wound up and we're losing perspective and we're, we lose our true north position with the Lord. This just detoxes us. This is the soul detox that we desperately, desperately need. Now, I, I'm about done, but let me tell you how this will not work. This will not work for you unless you trust the Lord. This doesn't work. It becomes um, some kind of transcendental meditation, but it's void of Jesus and void of the Lord. So it, it, you, you take the source and the power away, it's not going to work. So my word to you is this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge the Lord. I say that to you as an unbeliever and as a believer. Some of you are, are close to coming to Christ. Others of you are there. You're trusting the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Psalm 62. Truly my soul finds rest in God. Salvation comes from him. I, I have no hope of salvation apart from him. Understand this, this, the resurrected Lord we celebrated last Lord's Day, he is still resurrected Lord, he'll still save you. If you want to come to Christ, he's still wanting to take you. You will find rest for your soul when you do that. Moses wrote it, Deuteronomy chapter 12. You'll cross the Jordan, you'll settle the land the Lord your God's given you as an inheritance, and he will give you rest. Get that? He'll give you rest, which means you'll be able to relax for a moment. Relax from your enemies. Just for a moment, even. We don't understand that rest principle until you've been in the angst, and then you feel the rest, and you go, oh, I'm in a safe place. It feels really good. And Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 11, take my yoke upon me, learn from me. I am gentle, humble of heart, and what will you find? You'll find rest, yeah, for your soul. Not for your body, get that? Because remember, you're not a body with a soul. What are you? You're a soul that happens to have a body. That's all. And he says, I'll give you rest, not just for your body, I'll give you rest for your soul. Hebrews puts it this way. So, as the Holy Spirit says, today when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. You're saying, you don't understand what my schedule is. You don't know the demands people are making of me, people over me, people 
depend upon me. That's that wound up running, revving of the engine of your soul. And he's saying, don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. Because during the time of testing in the wilderness, your ancestors tested and tried me. Forty years, they saw what I did. That's why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts will always go astray. They will never know their ways. Why? Because their hearts were hard. So I declared on the oath of my anger, they will never enter my rest. Is that what you want? No. No, that is not what you want. You, so how do you get that? You have to take your foot off the pedal, disengage the gear, and rest the soul. In 1 John chapter 3, this is how we know that we belong to the truth. We set our hearts at rest. How? Just in his presence. This week, I'm encouraging you, take moments of rest for your soul. Not just moments of reading and studying the word of God. Not just moments praying for people. That's good. Enjoy his presence. Enjoy him. He is your father. If you just sit in his presence for five minutes, it's five minutes well, well spent. And you will find rest for your soul. Uh, I, can't, I can't imagine being apart from the Lord in a society like today. This, this alone, this rest of the soul, would make me run to the Lord if I didn't know Jesus. I hope it does you. And I hope for the believers in the room, it helps us run for the Lord even more and trust him even greater because we desperately need him. Amen? Amen. Let's bow for prayer and let's stand as we pray. Oh Lord, you are good and your mercy endures to all generations. But within us is still this contamination that we need detoxed. So do that with our souls, would you please? Create in us a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within us, we pray. And Lord, may, may we find our rest in you. And may we know Jesus as the one to whom we go because we are realizing he really is gentle. He is humble in heart. And may we find in him real rest for our souls. For those who need to trust Christ, Lord, I pray this be the day they'd open their hearts to the Lord. For many of us in the room who do trust you, may we run to you to find our rest in the shelter and the detox we desperately need. In Christ's name we pray, amen.